Hey now, welcome to Random Movie Club. I'm your host, Rob Logan. In each episode, I sit down with a co-host to discuss any movie of their choosing. The only qualification is that the movie is available to watch at home on DVD, Blu-ray, or streaming. Before you listen to this show, I highly recommend that you watch the movie we're going to talk about, because we're going to spoil everything. Also, at the end of the episode, I'll tell you which movie we're going to discuss next, so you have enough time to watch it. If you enjoy Random Movie Club, you can help keep it going by supporting us on Patreon. Supporters get special benefits like bonus episodes, patron-only movie events, giveaways, and more. Show your support for Random Movie Club and The Geek Generation by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com support. On this episode, I'll be discussing The Truman Show with Pumpkinberry. Let's roll the film. The Truman Show was released in 1998 from director Peter Weir. Written by Andrew Nichol, the film stars Jim Carrey, Ed Harris, and Laura Linney. All right, so as I ask all of my guests, uh, first question, why did you choose this movie? Oh, my God. You literally told me you were going to ask me this, and I was like, think about your answer, and then it's topical. Okay, hold on. How can I like crush this into a sentence? Uh, Because it's one of my favorite movies. It's a movie I always go back to. I think that we are all in the process of exiting the Truman Show. We're Mm. all in that process. And I feel as as I get older and as my profession becomes more in entertainment, I feel more and more connected to Truman. And I think it's a good it's a good reminder that we are all in the process of exiting the Truman Show, pretty much. I can agree with that. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, we are going to dive into the movie a little bit more in just a moment. But before we do that, we are going to take a look at some of the trivia. I pull it up, as always, from IMDb and find some of the more interesting facts. There is a lot of trivia for this movie. People have been yeah. analyzing it for years and years and years because it's so ripe for that. But I pulled out what I thought were the best tidbits. So first piece, uh, something you don't really consider, at least I didn't when watching it, is that Ed Harris and Jim Carrey never met during filming. What? There's no need for them to ever. They don't have scenes together. Oh, yeah, I guess so. So they never even met each other on the set. Not even for the final scene? Nope. Wow. They could have been doing that acting to somebody else. Oh, that It wouldn't have even mattered. Yeah, true. And I guess they probably, for the final scene, wouldn't have wanted them together because that's the whole point. Right. So. Which is interesting. That is very interesting. In an interview, director Peter Weir stated that he wanted to have cameras installed in every theater the film was shown in, having the projectionist at one point cut the power, cut to the viewers, and then cut back to the movie. <gasps> How real would that have been? That would have been amazing. Right. I can understand why they didn't do it, but I love the thought of it. Yeah. Even just for that, you know, when they do the initial release, mm-hmm. even just for initial release, that would have been crazy. Mm-hmm. Select theaters or something. Yeah. Oh, my God. I imagine just the movie ending like right before the credits go. All of a sudden the lights come on. You see yourself on screen and you're like, oh, they've been watching me, too. Yeah. Oh, they could cover that with like a waiver posted on the outside of a movie theater. I think legally yeah. to get away with that. Like when you yeah, when you well, or if when you buy your ticket, yeah. they just have it in fine print or yep. when you buy your ticket, somebody says, OK, just so you know, this is something right. that we have. Yeah, right. We're just monitoring. They, they could frame it yeah. differently. 
Yeah. And not leave that like shock part. Yeah. Uh, the true mania bit where Truman draws on the mirror with soap and acts strange was completely improvised by Jim Carrey. In another take, he drew long curly hair in a dress. Oh, my gosh. I actually I watched some of the uh, cut scenes mm. today and I saw a couple of scenes that they had cut with with him in the mirror. I love those. Those are some of my favorite. Yeah, I did not know they were fully improvised. But well, this was his first drama role. He blew it out of the park. Yeah. Like yeah. this was the big conversion, but you can see the elements of his prior comedic yeah. stuff within it for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to a 2008 New York Times article, psychologists in Britain and the U.S. reported a number of people experiencing, quote unquote, Truman syndrome or the Truman Show delusion, the belief that they are the unwitting star of their own reality TV show. Reportedly, many afflicted specifically mentioned the film in therapy. Huh. So I don't know if it was something that they would have experienced anyway, and now they had a way to identify it or yeah. if it or actually if inspired it, it more. It. Yeah. Huh. But I think that's a common thing when you see something in media, there's like an uptick of awareness around it. Oh, yeah. Like when I watched The Matrix, I thought yeah. for sure everything was a simulation yeah. <laughs> after. Exactly. For a good year, I was like, <gasps> deja vu. <laughs> uh, every street name in Sea Haven refers to a movie actor like Lancaster Square or Barrymore Road. All of the cast members are likewise named after movie stars. Meryl, Marlon, Lauren, Kirk, Angela. And isn't his last name a reference to... Burbank. Yeah, Burbank. Burbank, it's California. It's where Warner Brothers had a studio or something. Mm-hmm. In There's Burbank a lot of or... studios in Burbank. Yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah. heavy, heavy Hollywood area. Yeah. And while we're talking about names and cool trivia, can we just talk about how his name is Truman? Like True Man? True Man, yes. That is like absolutely True Man one of show? them. Uh, yep. Okay. Yeah, no, so Did good. I just steal your trivia, Thunder? I don't think I wrote that one down. Oh, okay, okay. I, yes. I thought, yeah. Actually, no, I did. I did. That was actually my last piece of trivia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that's okay. Yeah, the uh, it's a play on the words True Man. His last name is a studio city, Burbank, California. Uh, Jim Carrey and Peter Weir initially found working together on set difficult. Carrey's contract gave him the power to demand rewrites, but Weir was impressed with Carrey's improvisational skills and the two became more interactive. Yeah, I can see that. There were a couple of scenes where his act, his typical comedic acting Mm -hmm. kind of pulled me out a little bit. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is just typical, you know, Jim stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, other than that, it, it was... It was phenomenal. One of those really scenes good. is definitely in the car when he's yep, losing his mind. Yep, that's the exact yep. one I was <laughs> thinking about I where he's like, ah! I'm like yeah. oh, God, Jim. It's a little down. over the top. Yeah, it's too much. To help Ed Harris develop the character for Kristoff, director Peter Weir presented him a 10-page biography. Part of this biography consisted of Kristoff doing a film on the homeless for which he won an award. Wow. So he, he actually encouraged, either provided or encouraged most of the characters in the movie to have their own long backstory. That's really weird and interesting because Christoph has a line in the film where he says, okay, like he's talking to the actors, remember who you are. Mm-hmm. Like, remember your backstory. So yeah. that's that's so meta There's and very interesting. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. And speaking of names yeah. and cool trivia, Christoph, Christ of Truman. Why did I not think of that? That's yeah, that's isn't that crazy? Yeah, I mm-hmm. didn't even consider that a scene in the original script depicts a staged rape scene witnessed by Truman, who doesn't go to help the actress about to be violated and just moves on when he's gone. The actors and actress return to normal and express wonder at how he didn't try to help or even do anything about it. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. There was a lot of darker stuff in the original script, 
that was one of the scenes so that he they would have constantly been testing him no 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 it was it was in the original script but they didn't do it so there were going to be a lot of scenes where like they tested his character wow and then either he would react or didn't react how they were hoping he would oh man that's interesting Mm. because you would think to keep things entertaining they have to keep making drama Sort of. Sort Sorry, of. I stopped myself from responding because I imagine that we're probably going to talk about this in yeah, a couple will. of minutes. But th- I think that's the whole point of the Truman Show yeah. is that it's just fascinating to watch a real person. It's that whole reality TV thing. And they probably realized that through production. But I am very much intrigued at the idea that they wanted to show how people act when they think no one's watching. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. And also horrifying that he wouldn't help. Just before the boat stops, we see the number 139 prominently displayed on its sail. The ensuing dialogue between Truman and Kristoff contains some paraphrased references to Psalm 139, as do many other aspects of the film, which has to do with like the omnipresence of God. Yeah, that's very interesting. They have a lot of little things like that in there. Yeah, the overall that's some good trivia. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, it, IMDb has the best stuff. <laughs> uh, two more. The overall look was influenced by television images, particularly commercials. Many shots have characters leaning into the lens with their eyeballs wide open. And the yep. interior scenes are heavily lit because we are wanted to remind viewers that in this world, everything was for sale. They actually cut a scene from the film, which I really liked and I wish they had cut kept in mm-hmm. um where truman's wife i forget her name now i just watched the film meryl <laughs> meryl that's right where meryl is um she's walking through the living room and she's basically doing the infomercial display of her wardrobe mm-hmm. and her shoes and you know it says in the catalog you know in the truman catalog you can find this and this and it cuts to a couple on the couch or two ladies on the couch i think and they look at each other and they're like oh yeah that seems good uh yeah. Although there's so many of those product placement moments in the movie. Yeah. And they cut and they even cut a lot, too. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting. I oh, didn't yeah. feel like anything was lacking from the film. You know, I, I didn't think when I see those scenes, mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, wow, the film is not good without them. Yeah. But I wouldn't mind an extended edition of this movie. You know, the cuts they feel just right. All that. Yeah. Uh, last piece of trivia. Dennis Hopper mm-hmm. was originally cast as Kristoff, but walked off the set after his first day. Ed Harris replaced him. Hopper went on to a supporting role in Ed TV, which has a striking similarity to the premise of The Truman Show. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know that. Isn't that a breach of contract? To walk off the set? Yeah, but he wouldn't be the first. Yeah. Well, I just meant to walk off the set and then go work on a show that's... It was a few years close. later, and it was... Oh, okay. Yeah, it was in 1999. I wonder why he walked off. Um... Hmm. I mean, there could have been sometimes it's just disagreements with the director. Oh, yeah. Or just kind of like the material isn't. Yeah. Yeah. But But I just. It's it's weird to hear when somebody leaves a role from a movie this rich. Yeah. It's like, how could you not have wanted to do that? Yeah. All right. So let's dive into the movie. Okay. So uh, right from the beginning. We mm-hmm. see all the controlling aspects of this world that are set up. Yeah. The determinism. Uh, we see them manipulating the radio to like cover yep. things up. We see their every attempt at like discouraging plane travel, including like subliminal things and yeah. some just outright. The lightning strike. Yeah. This could happen to you. Yeah. Just blatant. <laughs> yeah. The twins push him up against the poster to show off yeah. the brand to the audience. They keep doing that. That's that felt gross. Yeah. 
Well, the whole thing felt gross. She'd be mid. They have. They were having a serious conversation mm-hmm. about him being depressed or something like that. I think. And she's like, "You're you're not well. Let me get you some help." Oh, by the way, have some of this cocoa. Yeah, it's the best cocoa I've ever tried. Mo cocoa. Excuse me, Meryl. <laughs> like, goodness gracious! And it was after one of the biggest one of the biggest yeah. anxiety parts of the movie when they're at the nuclear power plant. Yeah, and he and. He, and yeah, and she says, let me get you some help and still finds time to throw the product placement in there. Mm. And of course, his reaction is, who are you talking? Who are you talking to? It's just exaggerating the frustration that he was already having. You would think they would have adapted a little more on the fly to be like, this yeah. is not the time for that. We'll work it into yeah. the next half hour. <laughs> but they were also trying to pretend like nothing was wrong at yeah. the same time. Like Kristoff was very confident that he could keep him under control. Yep. They had the smart idea of like putting him on the island and then generating that childhood trauma that made him afraid to swim. Yeah. I think what I liked most about the film is that it is true that we would 100% watch that. I feel like people Mm -hmm. would consume that. There would be a small percentage of the population that would be outraged, but people would still watch. I agree. And they would, they would, want to see what Truman was up to next. And probably my favorite part of the film is the very, the very end. After I'm so glad you brought that up because I was just going to jump to that too. Yeah. After he exits the Truman show Mm -hmm. and they go, what else is on? It haunts me. Mm -hmm. It's so good. And so true. I actually had completely forgotten about that part because it is, (sighs) it's supposed to be a throwaway, but also sit, so deeply with you at the same time because it happens so fast and it is such a throwaway moment in the movie but it's one of the most powerful yeah what else what else is on like not even five minutes go by Mm -hmm. and i think because you and i are kind of in an industry where we are that kind of media that's being consumed you know as either streamers or it's pretty much streamers mostly Mm -hmm. some you're gonna they can find somebody else to watch. They can just move on to another channel. If you go away tomorrow, people might be sad for a little bit, but they're not going to, they're not going to stop watching. Mm -hmm. They're going to find somebody else to watch. So watching that film now, after I have started streaming, it hits even harder. There is a persistent feeling of what have you done for me lately? Yeah. When it comes to, Live entertainment, especially, or just being yeah. an independent content creator. Yeah. Because people forget very quickly. They they don't yeah. think they will, but they tend to. Yeah, they do. That's just how humans are. Yeah. I also like the that the film is, at least to me, I mean, you can take it in a million different ways, but at least to me, I looked at it as very much a statement on the way our society is currently Mm -hmm. and this was what 98 i think 1998 yeah 1998 and it's still relevant today it's even i don't know how they predicted all this but they did just the idea that you know we'll have product placement on instagram Mm -hmm. you know that we will be addicted to reality tv or live tv or anything that seems more real than something that's produced for us Mm -hmm. and that we will all have to wake up and escape our own Truman show. Cause we're all building our own. So this was like prior to the explosion of social media. 
Yes. And now we're all building our own independent Truman shows every day. Yeah. And and not even that to I mean, yes, that but also another aspect of that is how media or companies or um, our governments even sometimes produce things around us like watching that and listening to the newscast on the radio when he was like, oh, do you want to fly today? No, that's great. It reminded (laughs) me of media outlets that only portray a particular bias Mm -hmm. to the news and how a lot of people will go through their lives just assuming that nobody means them harm, that nobody is trying to control them Mm -hmm. or their actions. And that we all kind of have to have a moment where we kind of wake up and go, okay, wait a second. And then we have to choose to exit. And I think one of the most haunting lines in this film Mm -hmm. is when Christoph says, if he really wanted to, he could leave Mm -hmm. and we can't stop him. That, that sits with me because I feel like that applies to particularly to the fact that I'm building my own Truman show with my Instagram or whatever. And I I say to myself, Oh, I don't want to feel like I have to share all the time. Well, if I really wanted to, I don't, I could stop, but I feel like I have to because it's the way of the world or I have to for my job or, you know, whatever brand awareness and all those things. It feels Mm -hmm. like a necessary evil at times. Yeah. And which is very much how Truman felt. Yeah. And even in that same breath, he was basically, uh, he also said something along the lines of people will generally accept the reality that they're presented. Yep. So Truman was going through all this stuff and was just like, okay, even though there were so many weird quirks and there were cracks that started appearing and I know it, they have to do it for like length of time in the movie, but like all kind of consecutively on certain days it all happens so fast like the spotlight falling uh the rain i love the bit with the rain that comes down on just him and he moves and it moves over with him before it all starts raining yeah there were a couple of things like that that just kind of but what was nice is that he didn't immediately jump to this is all a conspiracy he did what we would all do and believe people around him Mm -hmm. and just kind of go okay i'm i'm nuts this is insane and talk himself out of it but then it just kept persisting yeah and it's also fantastical that like why would your mind make that leap right away yeah nobody would think that there's a whole and he even says there's a line where he says i think i'm crazy but i feel like the whole world revolves around me somehow Mm -hmm. which would be so embarrassing to say to your best friend or anyone (laughs) yeah like i think the world revolves around me it's one thing to think it, yeah, but then to start saying it out loud, then you yeah. become, that's another level of like yeah. societal rejection. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other cracks are things like his dad showing up as a homeless yes. person. Um, before he actually shows up, they bring him back kind of narratively. Uh, the radio station that's tuned to the walkies of the crew. Yeah. And like basically calling his moves. Yeah. Or when he tries to go with Meryl to, Fiji and then the road like all the cars pull out yes. and block the road and then yes. he backs up and says he's leaving but then turns down the road again and everybody's gone yeah yeah there's there's a lot of that kind of stuff I was surprised like they he talked about the extras kind of passing on a loop 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I was surprised they wouldn't try to differentiate that a little more just from a production side. Be like, yeah. be like, it's unlikely he would notice that. But you know what? Just to be safe. <laughs> yeah, just to be safe. Well, I mean, I guess if they'd been doing it for 30 odd years. Yeah. People accept the world they're presented, I guess. It's true. Why would he think any differently? Yeah. Or he'd think, okay, they're just biking around the block. I wonder if, and I, because I know so much is conditioning within that world. I wonder if they would have purposely not had any programming on his television or in the movies where they explore conspiracy theories. Oh, absolutely. See, that's that's a very interesting aspect of this film because absolutely, they controlled everything he consumed. They put they put subliminal messages in his his favorite TV shows. They anytime he was feeling like leaving, they would show a whole bunch of horrific accidents or something that happened, mm-hmm. or, you know, they would try to dissuade him from feeling that way. Or they'd say like, what was that? Oh, what was the one line? And just to remember that home is where like your family is, or you're never poor with, with, fr- with yes, your friends, if yes. you have friends if you or have something friends like that. And family in a home, you're never truly poor, something poor, like that. Yeah. yeah. And he sits there and he has, a, and he goes, oh, like he has this look on his face, like he's accepting, what they're saying and could you imagine that for 30 years of your life Mm -hmm. that's yes you can because that literally happens (laughs) all the time we're all programmed we're all programmed we're programmed with our television with advertisements with oh man i love this movie i love this movie i'm so (laughs) glad i picked this film There are even just things that we watch that like you don't you don't think about how much of an impact they have on you and they're not necessarily meant to program us but they still create expectations of life. Like the idea of uh, romantic comedies and like Disney princesses and the fact that this is what you're supposed to go after. And this is the way love happens. Those kind of expectations you build as a kid. Or even this is how you're supposed to act in a relationship or yeah. Or like it's totally normal to fall for somebody else while you're in a current relationship and then jump and, that's romantic. Mm-hmm. No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and even though I don't think it's the intent to tell people that that's an okay thing to do, it still happens. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that's, that's the whole point of just, if that's all our media is showing us, obviously we're going to grow up and, and do something mm. with that. We're going to take that into our subconscious or, like having a house and a car and a white picket fence. You know, these are things that you're taught that you need to have or that it's just your progress, but you're not actually taught it. It's just around you all the time Mm -hmm. that you eventually say, okay, I need these things or I want these things. Mm. One of the things I found interesting again, because I keep thinking about, not just the movie as it's presented to us, but the world that Truman exists within. I can't help like extrapolating all the things that they have going on. So his wife was clearly cast for him. I would think from a production side, even though I know how much control they want to exert, if they saw his inclination going towards Sylvia, because they didn't really know she was a toxic influence yet, at least toxic within the confines of what they've built. Why would they not like notice him and say, oh, okay, maybe this is the person we cast as his wife instead? Because I think they had already cast her. Mm. 
like they had in mind that they were going to introduce this love interest and in high school and, you know, kind of set up because all Christoph Christoph really wanted was the uh, first on air conception Mm -hmm. like he really wanted that so he wanted to set that up early and they only show him showing interest in sylvia that first day Mm -hmm. that meryl runs into him so i'm assuming that was already pre-planned right that they were going to have her run in but what i don't understand is why when they saw that he was interested in her why not pivot yeah but that's probably because they like did a huge vetting process mm-hmm. on on Meryl and she signed a contract and all that. And Kristoff's super narcissistic. So he probably thought, oh, I can I can show him what he really wants. Right. So given a situation like that, because they they pushed him purposefully towards Meryl. Do you think something like that coincides with human nature? Do you think that people will take what they're presented with if it's easier than going after what they want? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think some of us will go after what we want, even though it's harder. Mm-hmm. But I think I think a lot of the film explores determinism and the idea that we have choice when we don't really have choice mm-hmm. is kind of what they're exploring, especially with the whole Meryl thing falling into your lap and you thinking that, you know, she's your girlfriend or um, that your best friend, Marlin? Marlon. Is that right? Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. I couldn't remember. Sorry. Um, so yeah, Marlon being your best friend is just, you know, you both chose that, but it wasn't, it was chosen for you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've, I've, I mean, I've seen people do that. I've, I have friends that sort of settled for the, you know, relationship that they were in because the one that they really wanted was either taken or unavailable in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. And they'll settle for something else. And then meanwhile, yeah. pine for the other person. I thought it was super kind of messed up, but also very, very telling that he had that almost composite picture of Sylvia on the back of his wife's photo. Yeah, I thought that was really messed up. I'm not gonna lie. That was weird. It like, was. why? Why marry her if you're thinking about somebody else? Mm-hmm. Like, just don't. Don't do that. And even there's the scene where they introduce the the secretary I, or not secretary. I think it's another, another salesman. agent. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's another agent yep. and she's going to sit next to him. Yep. And he has this moment of like where he looks at her and kind of is intrigued mm-hmm. or interested. And he, he hasn't even left Meryl yet yeah. and he, he doesn't have Sylvia either. So it's just, it's just kind of, it was, it was weird. I thought it was she weird. She had two, some physical similarities to Sylvia, which I do not think she were did. accidental. Yeah. Oh, of course not. They definitely wanted to pick somebody that would remind him of her, I think. Now, here's another thing that I found interesting, kind of, again, in the meta sense of the world. If something like The Truman Show were real today, do you think that there would be someone ambitious enough to be like, uh, yeah, I'm going to play the role of this unknowing person's spouse, even if that means sleeping with him, potentially having a kid with him, because the role is going to get me so much fame and and do you think maybe they are even unknowing how much they're probably going to fall into that role because i think even i think the repetitive acting of something like that gives you a sense of believability where you have to convince yourself it's real 
to go along with it. Yeah. And also they must be getting a boatload of money because they pretty much <laughs> live on the show yeah. for 30 years. Like you can't leave. I mean, you can maybe take a vacation, but do you have a regular family? No, because you live on the show. Mm-hmm. You have to be on a call, especially those, uh, those cat prominent cast members that need to be there, mm-hmm. which is just crazy. They must have like a whole little ecosystem that they have just outside of the actual ecosystem that they have for him, yeah. uh, where people can be. Um, there's actually a cut scene from the film where Kristoff is explaining the new casting when they're bringing, they show Meryl and they say, I forget her real name, but they say she's no longer renewing her contract. Mm. She's chosen not to do that. And we have a replacement coming in. And I still believe strongly that the first conception will be on air and we're planning to, this is very important because our studio is actually going to split and we're going to have two TV shows, mm-hmm. one of Truman, one of the new baby. And we're going to have simultaneous coverage. And there's a close up shot of Marlon's face. And he just says, he like looks at the camera and he says, but when Truman dies, we're going to go back to a one, one camera setup. Right. And, I really wish they had kept that in the film. I understand why they cut cut it mm-hmm. because you can't have that without the rest of it and the rest of it wasn't really needed. But just just exploring that, mm-hmm. what was going on in his head there? Was he feeling guilty about doing this all the way up through Truman's death? Because he looks uncomfortable in mm-hmm. the scene. Or is he is he processing like, oh, just so much in that scene? Is he worried about his job? Yeah. Or is he like, oh, maybe I'll I'll end up in the spinoff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's so oh, that's so messed up. And you got to wonder, too, like if somebody let's say they don't decide to leave the role at any point and they're really going to see it through to the end. What good yeah. is that money that they've made? Like, what are they using? I, know. That for? I wonder that, too. I would imagine someone would have to commit to it because either it's supporting somebody outside the show or because they're really like well i'm gonna be this is gonna be my legacy like i was a prominent actor on this experimental show that the world just loved yeah like would you do that would you be on a show like that i i can't think that i would be yeah if it was like a smaller a smaller length of time like a predetermined length of time maybe but i don't know if i could manipulate so okay I was going to bring this up later, but I'll bring it up now because it's super relevant. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the Joe Schmo show? No. Okay. In uh, 2003, so like mm-hmm. five years or something after this came out, uh, there was a reality show that came on TV called the Joe Schmo show. It was supposed to mimic other reality shows. So they did. They ended up doing three seasons. One of them was like a bachelorette type season. Okay. Another one was just like a straight competition one. Like you guys are all in the same house and you'll have competitions and people get voted off or whatever. Um, The whole point of the show was essentially the Truman show. One contestant was a real person that thought it was a real show and everybody (sighs) else were actors. Oh, they did this. And believe it or not, one of the cast members on the first season was Kristen Wiig. <gasps> really? Mm-hmm. Before she like got big on SNL or anything. Wow. This was, I think it was on, I know the last season was on Spike because they did a season in 2003, 2004, yeah. and they did another one in like 2013. 
years later. Has she ever talked about it? Like, how did she feel? I don't know. Well, here's the thing. So it's it's a yeah. very brief period of time. It was over like yeah. a regular reality TV show, like a couple months. Yeah, but you're still lying to somebody. But the point of the show was to find the nicest person in America. So they constantly oh, wow. tested this person's morality to see if he would make decisions that were considered a good person. Wow. And he only won the money unknowing to him if he was. Wow. It's a fascinating experiment. I'm surprised it didn't actually get more views. I love the show. It's the only reality show like I've really watched because it's so I'll have different. to look into that. It's very good. Um, and I never found it to be like gross. Yeah. Because... I don't know. I think they just really presented it well. And it was like a very limited experiment. And it was about like showing the goodness of somebody's character. And like throughout the show, they're just like, oh, my God, this is the nicest person we've ever met in our lives. Yeah. So there was and also something... it's just, you know, they're they think they're on a reality show anyway. Yes. So, at so least it's not like he, yeah, it, yeah, it's not like he's unbeknownst to the fact that he's on TV. Yeah. It's just a different reality show that you're on. Right. It's just a little more programmed than he's aware of, which all reality shows are more programmed than we're aware of anyway. Yeah. Yes. Which is, how did they know? They knew. Yeah. They knew. Reality reality. shows are the new pro wrestling. Yeah. Where one day it's going to come out that they're way more scripted than people think they are, which most of us know. Well, not most of us. A lot of us know already. It's pretty much come out now, don't you think? I, I think it's out there, but people are in such denial. Yeah. Like we all know pro wrestling is quote unquote fake now. But there are yeah. so many people that watch reality TV and are like, oh, yeah, this is just the way their lives are. Oh, no. I think it's still like that. You're probably you're probably right. People accept like the, the world reality that's presented. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, I find it interesting that uh, that you said that they were testing the morality because you mentioned that they had originally planned for that in the script mm-hmm. of the Truman Show. So I wonder mm. if that's. Yeah, something that they saw in the script and were like, that's a great idea. Let's do that for this reality show or if it was totally unrelated. Mm. It's interesting that it was in with like within like five years of Truman Show coming out. I think it's because through like the development process and all the time it takes, someone saw this movie and was like, oh, man. Yeah, I have an idea. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. It's very good. Um, So (laughs) I know this is like jumping to the end already but the end is where like a lot of the good meaty stuff comes up yeah because a lot of it is just the repetition of realizing the patterns that are exposing this world to be fake and yeah kind of coming to that understanding of it it's very interesting that after truman is out on the ocean and trying to get out of this Kristoff does everything within his power to pretty much kill him yeah because he'd rather watch his creation die than see it get away. Well, he wants to, yeah, he would rather see it die on air and part of his masterpiece mm-hmm. than, than let him walk out of there. And I don't know if he's actually trying to kill him. I think he's just trying to prove to himself that he knows Truman better than Truman does. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think he's actually sitting there saying, I'm going to kill him. But I think in that moment, he's too wrapped up in his own ego to see that he could potentially be killing him because he does stop it in the end, doesn't mm, he? He does. does at a certain else? point, they they yeah. turn it off. They don't know if he's alive or not at yeah. that point. And I think, yeah. I think while it wasn't his intent, he was okay with it because it would have been good TV. Yeah, I think so too. 
But I think that's all of them for the most part. Mm -hmm. Nobody stopped him. No. They they vocalized it, but then they just let it happen. And one of my favorite parts of that actually is that after he has a talk, Kristoff gives that speech and then says, well, you know, say something, you're on TV. Truman had, in that moment, I feel like most humans, most people, when we have our wake-up moment of the world that we live in, Mm -hmm. no matter, you know, what it is, if it's the fact that we're realizing that, you know, news is targeted and they're only showing, you know, a very biased portion of the news and that they're owned by such and such company or when, you know, the illusion of choice when you're at a grocery store and you think you want this and you, but everything's owned by the same conglomerate, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that kind of stuff. In that moment of wake up for whatever it is that you're waking up from, whatever Truman show you're exiting, most people get very upset Mm -hmm. and they want to blame someone and they want to be angry and they want to say, well, why didn't you tell me? You know, why didn't my parents tell me? Why didn't this or that? And Truman doesn't do any of that. He doesn't get mad at the audience. He doesn't say, why did you watch this? He doesn't get mad at Kristoff. And maybe he has that rage, but in that moment, he chooses to just exit. He chooses to just walk out the door, not spend another second of his life trapped. Mm -hmm. And he just says, In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Oh, my God. That part is so... That and the bow is just so powerful. Yeah, like... That was it. You've had your fill. I'm out of here. I'm not going to spend a second longer in this illusion. And I mean, that show only works because Truman was, in a way, a performer to nobody anyway. Like, he's performing to the mirror when he thinks nobody's watching. I know. Which don't we... I mean, we don't all do it quite like that, but we... I feel like we all... There's a little bit of that. Yeah. I hum to myself. Does that count? (laughs) Absolutely. I talk to myself. I talk to my cats. I talk to my... Robot vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> um, and then one of the one of the again to kind of extrapolate, like the movie ends with him stepping through that door essentially, and we see a little bit after that. But what what is his life become now? Now that he's been watched by everybody for 30 years. Yeah, I don't know. How do you even live? Or imagine to have a normal existence after that. Because he's famous now. Right. So he'd be walking around and people would recognize him. But at least he's free. Arguably the most famous person in the world. Yeah, in the world. Yeah, at that point. Do you think it's people going on to the next thing after a while? or? Yeah, yeah. I think after a while it would fade and they'd be like, oh, aren't you that guy on that one show that one time? That I watched for 30 straight years. Well, <laughs> days of our lives, soap operas go that long. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, probably. I think after a while it would fade away. He might be active in because the idea is that, you know, it's implied that him and Sylvia will meet up and yeah. And he would probably be active in something like that. If they tried to do another show, he would probably be very active in that. At least that's what I like to imagine. Yeah. But it's interesting to think about though. Yeah. But I mean, if you think about, did you ever have a moment where you exited the Truman Show, so to speak? Did you ever have a wake-up moment where you walked out of a reality that had been painted for you? Or whether that be a small scale, like a job that you thought mm. you were supposed to do, or on a bigger scale, like a religion that you... Sure. I mean, you know, there's like all those... I think we all have like little moments of rebellion 
throughout our life that are a rejection of the things that we were told we were supposed to believe or supposed to do. Yeah. So, oh yeah. I mean, there are jobs that I've left being like, oh, well, I was told this is the way it's supposed to go, but that's not me. There are lifestyles that I'm supposed to have that I've said, that's just not me. And absolutely. So after you exit, I think it's just continuing to find out who you are in your new situation and be always being on the lookout for the moment when you find yourself in another show. Mm -hmm. And then you have to make sure you're constantly exiting so that you're aware of your surroundings. It is almost in another way a commentary on celebrity. Yeah. Like he'll never know a normal life. Yeah. Because that's always going to be a part of his history. And that wasn't yeah. something he chose. It's almost like the kid of a famous person. Yeah. And it's funny because there's a specific part in the film where they say he was chosen just because he was born early. Mm-hmm. We had a show, we had a production, we had like five other people to choose from, and he was born when he was, so we picked yep. him. It's that whole idea that fame, sometimes it's a lot of luck. Yeah. It's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of grind, but there are a lot of people who grind for a long time and don't don't get there, right? It's true. It's a lot of who you know being in the right place at the right time. So yeah, I do think it's a commentary on fame as well. There's a lot in that film. It really is. You could literally, you could literally sit down and do, you know, a 45 minute segment <laughs> on how the film is about religious determinism mm-hmm. or how it's about fame. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's a very rich, very metaphor heavy mm-hmm. movie. But unfortunately, we can't dissect all of it yep. <laughs> because we are right around our time. Uh, before we go, though, please promote your things. Oh, ooh, okay, I hadn't prepared. I'm I'm PB, Pumpkinberry. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at Pumpkinberry. But what I would like to mention to you is that I also do a podcast, and it is called The Deep Dive. And it is the conversation after your favorite video game ends. And we can be found on deepdivecast.com and on Twitter at deepdivecast. And thank you for having me, Rob. Thank you for being here. And you can hear me on the deep dive as well. So It's true. It's true. For an episode of Tacoma. Yes. And also probably for many more because let's be real, Rob is awesome. Random Movie Club is a production of the Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our podcasts and videos at thegeekgeneration.com. Plus our live streams at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. Don't forget, you can support Random Movie Club by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. As always, thanks to Michael McLeod of Wolfstone Music for our theme song. A link to his site can also be found on our site. Thanks for listening, and make sure you join us next time when we'll discuss Max Payne. See you then. <laughs>